0: Welcome everyone to episode 173 of the Reds Unrestricted Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, David Comerford, and I'm going to be giving you my thoughts on Liverpool's 4-0 win over LASK. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts. So, Liverpool are safely through to the Europa League round of 16. They open the scoring here against Austrian side LASK through Luis Diaz in the 12th minute. And then it was only three minutes later that Cody Gakpo doubled the lead and put the Reds in complete control. Mohamed Salah then effectively sealed the victory six minutes into the second half before Cody Gakpo added that fourth goal two minutes into stoppage time. So I'm running solo for today's podcast, but still plenty to talk about over the course of this episode And I'll start, as we always do, with my three-word match review. And I've gone with top spot secured because it was a night where Liverpool were able to get the job done. And it means, of course, that in February, thanks to Toulouse drawing 0-0 with Union SG and giving Liverpool first place, Liverpool will not have to play a side who finished third in their Champions League group in a playoff round, which obviously saves the legs of, of quite a few players in that period of the season. And also in the more immediate term it means Liverpool can really sort of rest all of their key players as many as Jürgen Klopp wants when they go to Union SG in Belgium later this month and that obviously comes only a few days before they play Manchester United in one of the biggest Premier League fixtures of the season at Anfield so the timing of that works out very nicely for them indeed and it's a luxury that they've been able to earn obviously there was a bit of a stumbling block last time against Toulouse but that's almost to be expected you know you are going to hit the odd roadblock even in a competition where you are you know clear of of many of the teams who were competing and the response was what Martin Liverpool produced it tonight with um, an emphatic victory they're second by a four goal margin um, in these group stages and really again it's another night where you say Liverpool did look especially, even with the amount of changes they did make to the side that drew with Manchester City. They did look a bit too good for the competition. Obviously, there's no question they deserve to be in there. You know, they didn't do enough last year to be in the Champions League and and we saw against to lose that even in the Europa League. If you're not 100% on it, maybe attitude wise, you are still going to be punished and really, you know, games like this, should be winning comfortably, but it was still an impressive outing from the Reds and I think Jürgen Klopp got the approach spot on. I think the game against Toulouse showed that maybe it's for the best to sort of go with a stronger lineup, certainly in attack. And we saw that yesterday with Salah, Gakpo, and Diaz starting rather than any young players, for example. You know, go with that strong lineup in attack and then, you know, seal the game and then get those players off. And we saw that really with Salah and Diaz coming off quite early in the second half. So Liverpool were able to kind of kill that game. And I think one thing that really impressed me yesterday you know consistently especially in, in the first 60 minutes or so was the quality of the attack and play from liverpool and, and i was at anfield last night and as you'll have sort of heard from pretty much everybody who, who was at the stadium it, it was absolutely freezing i got up at the end of the match and i had to sort of stop myself falling down the stairs because my legs had seized up but it, it was worth seeing it in that cold to watch some of the quality that was on show from liverpool Especially in that first hour or so. Like I said, I think Liverpool could have scored more in the first half. They virtually look like scoring every single time they came forward. I know that's a bit of a cliche, but I don't think it's an exaggeration in this case. And I think maybe after the hour mark with a three in the lead, they eased up a little bit, understandably. Last had a few chances, but you can't really complain too much about that. I think, you know, the pace of the game is always going to slow in that period, but they were obviously able to get another goal at the end just to. Uh, Sweeten the deal, I suppose, for those fans who who had stuck around um, until the last. But you know, as for our opponents, I mean, they did have their moments. I think they they started quite well in the game, and you know, like I said, in that period in the second half, when Liverpool took the foot off the gas a little bit, they they took advantage and produced some chances. But I think you know, thanks to uh, Quivin Callagher in goal and some um, strong defensive interventions too. Um, in kind of the last moments, Liverpool made sure that those sort of promising attacks didn't come to anything. So they had to work for the clean sheet, I think, more than you might have thought based on just looking at the scoreline. But, you know, it's nice to keep on for just what I think is the second time in these group stages after the 2-0 win over Uni and SG in October. So let's run through some of the individuals then, having kind of dealt with the, the team performance as a whole. And there's a lot who stood out yesterday and are worthy of some praise. And I think we obviously have to start with Cody Gakpo, who got two goals and was probably the player of the match. It was clear that he had to make the most of the opportunity in front of him tonight. You know, I am a a huge Cody Gakpo fan. You might remember in our sort of pre seasons predictions podcast, I suggested that he would win Liverpool's player of the season for my hot take, which hasn't aged the best, Um and maybe with hindsight seems like a silly one but I suppose you've got to kind of consider the context you're making the prediction in and I think the way he finished last season he hasn't really been able to fully carry that momentum and, and he's had an injury too but lately he seemed to be the one at the bottom of that peck and order now we've seen obviously Diogo Jota's out for a while with a muscle injury he sustained against Manchester City so that gives Gakpo a chance and he took it yesterday I mean he did miss a couple of opportunities and he hit the post at one point, but he also obviously got those two goals and played some really nice passes too, to his credit. You know, it wasn't just all about kind of that shooting from him yesterday. The first goal was a tap-in, but I think really if you look across his Liverpool career so far, he scored plenty of those. I mean, just off the top of my head, he, he got one in the uh, Merseyside Derby, which I think was his first Liverpool goal, back post-tap-in. Same against Southampton on the last day of last season. I think there's a couple of others in there as well maybe one against Leeds when Liverpool won 6-1 but that kind of shows that even though he isn't maybe that natural born striker he does still have that knack of finding the space to score those easy goals which is obviously something that is kind of the marker of a a predatory number 9 so that is definitely a good dig. Even if those goals aren't the most spectacular but then you look at his second goal and really that's an emphatic finish after a lovely threaded pass from Trent Alexander-Arnold who interestingly was playing as sort of a right-sided number eight in that last period of the game yesterday. Um, Connor Bradley came back from injury, came on at right back, so that meant that Trent was shifted into kind of a full-time midfield role, and we'd seen him in the Carabao Cup game against Bournemouth, playing as a number six um, late on in the game, after some substitutions, and here, obviously playing as the eight, so you you look at it and think, is that just something that happens late on in a game, and we don't read too much into it, or, is Klopp maybe trialling what it looks like to have Trent in there permanently? I think that's a bit of an intriguing footnote from yesterday. Uh, as for the other goal scorers, obviously we saw Diaz net another header. Um, I was watching the highlights back just before the podcast this morning. And Steve McManaman pointed out in commentary for TNT Sports that he scored a couple of headers for Colombia recently as well against Brazil. Obviously those really emotional goals. Got that equaliser against Luton 2 for Liverpool in the Premier League and it feels like that part of his game has really grown and I'm feeling, I suppose no wonder given the quality of the service he's getting and this was a really difficult header to execute but he generated a lot of power on it and really planted it into the net so Diaz on the score sheet at feel good to see that and then obviously Mohamed Salah with a perfect penalty really absolutely unsavable um, from him to bring up 199 goals and I thought maybe he would stay on and get the chance to go after 200, because he would have had a very real opportunity to do that, but maybe that will come at the weekend against Fulham. Um, I know some might look at it and say, oh, he was kind of stat padding tonight. You know, that's uh, a team who are uh, nowhere near good enough to be facing Mohamed Salah in truth, but that performance deserved to go really. And I think generally, I don't know if this is controversial or anything, but Salah, despite his strong kind of goal and assist numbers, has been a little bit... Off it when it comes to his you know, performance in general play, but he, I think he just his quality every time he, he had the ball yesterday, so definitely merited um, the goal in there. But I honestly think that the player who impressed me most yesterday wasn't somebody who scored, and it was Ritardo instead. That was the best I've seen him play in a Liverpool shirt, and I think he was virtually flawless. I mean, there was a moment towards the end of the game where I think he tried to play a pass after a throw-in and he knocked it out and I just thought, thought to myself is that the first thing he's done wrong all game? I think that says everything really. I mean, he was always available to take the ball from the defenders making sure he was in the right position to do that and then when he got on the ball in Liverpool felt like they had so much space to attack into. But I think Endo was always kind of launching the attacks really by picking picking the right pass and executing it well as well. And I don't mean this in a bad way but I think Endo looks right at home in a game like this. I mean, he's probably sort of a Europa League level player rather than a Champions League one. And when you pay sort of £60 million for someone who's 30, you can't complain too much about that, I guess. And if that is to be his role in the Liverpool squad this season, then he looks like he can carry that out very well. So I think really strong performance from Endo yesterday and interestingly more so for the, the on-ball stuff than, than the off-ball stuff which isn't necessarily the player I expected to be getting but I think you know, very good game as kind of that distributor yesterday. Um, I've already mentioned Graveen Callagher I think an important night for him obviously to keep the clean sheet he, he hasn't been at his best a couple of times this season and I think that can that's maybe worried some Liverpool fans but hopefully they're reassured now about um, what will happen kind of in, in the Absence of Alisson because you know really strong night is a shot stopper. I think there's one save where he kind of comes out of his goal, really narrows down the angle for the attacker and, and makes the save from the close range one v one, which is you know pure Allison moment, obviously. But not only that, I think his distribution was really good as well. I think off the top of my head, it was something like ten out of fifteen long passes he completed. So really, he's um, he's well placed um, to cover for Allison. I think in the weeks to come, um, Ibrahim Canate. You know, I I've sort of stood there in the first 20 minutes or so, particularly just thinking he's too good um, for this game, honestly. Um, some crucial defensive interventions of him in situations where it looked like Lask might score, but he always managed to kind of get back and, and get a foot in. Um, his partner, Jarrell Kwanza, I think he just looks more and more like the real deal every time he sets foot on the pitch. And You don't want to kind of name drop too much because you know you don't want to be harsh on anybody else while praising him. Kwanzaa, but you look at somebody like Reese Williams or, or Billy Cometeo, I just think that when they came through, much as they did sort of look promising in moments, you know, there was kind of that natural shakiness there, just in terms of, you know, being a young player stepping up and you're going to be a little bit nervous. But probably the thing that strikes me most about Kwanzaa and has done ever since he kind of broke into the team in the first place is that he just seems so composed. And if he said to me now, you know, what? What area could he improve on him? What's his weakness? I mean, obviously, he can probably get a bit better across the board, but there's not one to look at and say, oh, he desperately needs to work on that, or that's a clear sort of hole in his game, really. And I think that is a big credit to him too. And I'm not sure if we've mentioned this already on the podcast, but obviously there was a lot of talk last summer about Liverpool, you know, going out and getting a new centre-back, obviously off the back of poor seasons for Matip, Gomez and Van Dijk. That's gone a little bit quiet now. And I think part of that is because Kwanzaa's has kind of emerged. And if you're Liverpool now, and let's pull out a link from this week, for example, you know, Jean-Claire Tadebo from Nice. Uh, not, necessar- not necessarily saying that one will happen. But I just think, you know, he's sort of 23 years old. Um, you know, if somebody like that comes in for sort of 40, 50 million, you're basically saying to Kwanzaa that you're not going to have a long-term starting role. At Anfield, and because you'd think that it would be sort of Canate plus that player, whether it's Sidibo or or somebody else, then I think that is cause for Liverpool to almost stop and think a little bit because, you know, Kwanzaa hasn't done enough yet to show that he can be sort of that long term starter just because he hasn't kind of had the volume of game time and, and against kind of maybe top opponents, but he needs that kind of chance to prove that he can. And that's why I don't think that Liverpool would do any sort of centre-back business in January. I mean, obviously, the fact that Joel Matip's played really well so far contributes to that as well. But, yeah, I think if you're Liverpool, you give it at least until the end of the season and then assess. Because, really, Kwanzaa is showing that he has to be factored in to the club's long-term plan at the moment. And it's just really, again, it's worth repeating that this is somebody who was on loan at Bristol Rovers last year. Probably widely expected to go back on loan this year. Liverpool said no. Um, and decided, you know, maybe it was best to kind of have him stick around. And nobody really expected him to make this big an impact at first team level this season. I'm not sure he expected that either. But that, you know, obviously he's been one of the big sort of success stories of the season from kind of that young player perspective. There hasn't really been anybody from... Sorry, coming up from that youth team that has impressed me as much as Kwanzaa's upset point. And he's really... Um, taking the opportunity of playing in the Europa League you know, we knew that that was going to be a a big asset to some of those youngsters and Quans is the one who's really benefited most so far I think. Um, in terms of a few other players Joe Gomez gets an assist yesterday he's worth a mention um, does he generally have quite a good game as well um, watching the highlights back this morning something that I didn't really kind of notice too much at the time but I think it's probably worth mentioning is, is Harvey Elliott um, I think he sort of had some really nice playmaker moments in the first half when he drove forward with the ball and kind of fed it into Salah. Um, decent performance from him. I think Ryan Gravenberch is an interesting one to touch on as well because I actually think he didn't have the best game yesterday just in terms of, you know, uh, past completion and, and things like that. I mean, maybe the stats were all right, but it just felt like he was giving the ball away quite a bit and that was a little bit frustrating for him. But you can see the quality that he has just in kind of the subtle moments and he plays with really a bit of a unique spirit because he's got so much intent with the ball and he he attempts passes that other players either don't see or just, you know, don't want to try and execute and that kind of bravery is part of what makes him so good to watch and I honestly think that there isn't another player like Graven Birch in the Liverpool squad and that's why it's so kind of refreshing to see him come in Um. He is, like I say, a bit of a unique option in there and it's really exciting to think about his growth not only over the course of this season, but also sort of seasons to come as well. So, again, I think he's played better than he did yesterday but there was more cause to just be excited. What are you going to see? And it is just in those moments where he drives forward and instead of looking sideways or playing the easy pass, he looks to kind of play that incisive ball to split the defenders open and sometimes when you have that sort of style of play it isn't going to come off for you on certain nights because those are sort of maybe lower percentage passes that you're attempting but when it does the results are obviously really spectacular as well so i suppose i've i've basically gone through the entire team there i think the only player i haven't mentioned it is costas in my that's no not gonna meet he nearly scored a, a well the yesterday strike striking the crossbar um, and obviously hopefully we will keep that clean sheet as well so really i think the fact that you can go through and praise every single player. Shows how good a sort of collective performance that was from Liverpool last night, and and like I mentioned earlier, they are through to the round of sixteen as group winners, and the next game takes them to Fulham. Um, sorry, they host Fulham at the weekend, um, in the Premier League, and looking to get back to uh, winning ways after that draw with Manchester City, because it was a bit of a strange one last weekend, because you felt quite good about the result obviously at the Etihad, you know, scoring late um and given the difficulty of that fixture. But then obviously Arsenal got that late win against Brentford, Villa, beat Tottenham and all of a sudden Liverpool, you know, dropped down um dropped down to a couple of places in the league and they've got Villa sort of breathing down their necks at the same time. So it's important to get the victory um at the weekend in, in a game Liverpool really should um, be winning comfortably, Um, even though they should expect to be challenged a bit more than they were by Lask. And I think there was a couple of sort of line-up hints uh, from Jürgen Klopp last night. We saw Ibrahim Kanate come off about 10 minutes into the second half. And for me, that suggests that he's potentially going to come back into the team against Fulham because it's interesting this season. Kanate just hasn't been able to get into that rhythm. Um. So it's almost felt like he's been using sort of the midweek games to kind of build up to Matt Max sharpness, but then because he's played in those and he's maybe not as fresh as Mattip, then Mattip is the one who's back in the team, in the Premier League. So hopefully, you know, coming off early here, he gets sort of the best of both worlds. Because for me, much as Mattip has had a good season so far, you know, I still choose Canate pretty much every day of the week there, just because I think he, he is a superior defender. Um, in pretty much all aspects, maybe, maybe sort of acceptable carrying. And really, we're talking about someone who's sort of a an 8, 9 out of 10 versus somebody who's a 7 out of 10. Seven out of 10. So it's not sort of a huge issue by any means, but I would like to see Canate kind of get back into that established pattern alongside Virgil van Dijk. And I think maybe he just wasn't ready injury-wise to start against City. But hopefully last night, where he did look really good, like I said earlier, puts him in a position to get back on the team. And also... We've got um, Luis Diaz coming off at the same time, 56 minutes into the game, with Jota injured. You would think that it's going to be sort of Salah on the right, Diaz on the left. Diaz obviously didn't start against Man City last weekend, but he should be back into the team. And then there's this really interesting battle, I suppose, between Nunez and Gakpo. And I watched Nunez at the final whistle yesterday, and you know he he shook everybody's hand. Obviously, um, there was no sort of stropping or anything like that but he did he was the first one down the tunnel um and you know maybe sometimes you can make too much out of that but he he did look a little bit disappointed that he didn't he obviously missed a big chance when he came on he he looked a bit looked a little bit disheartened to me um which is maybe a bit understandable his momentum has has stalled a little bit recently certainly um in in club games and Gakpo obviously scoring twice I think there's a decent chance now that Gakpo plays against Fulham, but equally, you know, does the fact that he played every single minute of this game suggest that Klopp's going to rest him at the weekend? I'm not sure, but this is what I talked about earlier. Gakpo has now kind of forced that decision in terms of the number nine position, and that battle is really sort of back on, and it will, I suppose, ebb and flow over the course of the season. But yeah, I think I'll leave it there uh, for today's episode. Thanks very much for listening, and if you have enjoyed it, please do give us a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening on. Also remember that we have an email address in the episode description where you can ask any questions or you know offer us any thoughts you have about the podcast, things like that. Like I said, that is in the description, so just access it through there. And remember, you can also follow the podcast and press the notification button so it appears in your feed and you get a message every single time we post a new episode. And the next one will obviously be the reaction to the Fulham game so you can expect that this weekend but yeah until then take care